but there's a fine line between getting inspired and then following others versus getting inspired and being our own leader in our own art. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire creative thought, enhance your artistic process, and excavate enriched understandings about art, culture, and yourself. I'm your host, Emma Kivetna, a creativity coach, artist, entrepreneur, and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello, and welcome to the debut episode of Wild Creative. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. I've got my kombucha drink here. I'm just chilling in my living room, and I'm so looking forward to sharing with you some stories about how I utilize the power of self-knowledge to become more creative and expressive. But first, before I get into that... Because this is the very first episode ever, I would like to briefly talk about what it means to be a wild creative and why I chose that title. I'm treating the word creative as a noun in this phrase, specifically like as if it's a place in relation to the wild. So how you might say things like, I'm going to take a walk in the wild jungle today, or the wild part of town, or just in the wild, it's meant to come across similarly such as, I'm going to play in the wild creative today. So to me, the wild creative is a place to explore, as well as a way of existing. To break it down further, I've always felt that being creative is my default setting. And not just in the sense of making things, like writing a poem or a book or doing a painting. I'm also talking about living creatively on a daily basis, coming up with unique solutions to problems that I'm facing, finding a new way to do something that has been done many times before, or a new way of thinking, or putting together a valuable business offer in a way that hasn't been done before. Do all of these things always pay off? Do they always work? Do they always last? No, definitely not. But it's how I go through life. I don't like to rely on others for things or copy others or follow the crowds or trends much. I've tried to before to try to fit in, but it just never feels right. So if I can't come up with an innovative way forward that works for me or a form of creative self-expression that exposes some truth I'm trying to get out, then I start to feel passive and too distant and disembodied, which makes me feel too compliant with the world around me. And that makes me feel not in control of myself or my life. I really need that creativity to move me forward in all areas of my life and to evolve. As for wild, wild is also kind of in my nature in the sense that, as I mentioned before, I don't like to follow the crowd or trends or recommendations. I, And I've, I've found that anytime I have done that, I actually lose clarity, and feel more lost than not. So wild is an important word to me because although I find, although I think, although I think that there's lots to learn from each other and so much to be gained from art and culture, I find some of that value gets lost when it's put into 
the mainstream, capitalist, consumerist, trending, dominant, civilized, very like manufactured part of society. There's a sense of predictability and rigidness and repetition and of rehashed, recycled, tame, placid ideas and personas and forms of expressions that have all been done before. And we're so desensitized to certain topics that they don't even move us anymore, don't make us feel anything. And I'm not saying all of art and culture is like that, of course. I know there are amazing indie artists and filmmakers and small presses doing amazing things. And I think when creative minds do that, when they move away from that rigid predictability of mainstream society and consumerism, they're sort of rewilding creative form and expression back to a state of being prior to the influence of others and mainstream thinking, prior to the need to follow the crowd and fit in, which is really just a pseudo need that is often cultivated in us by society telling you that you need to fit in. So rewilding to me is all about fitting out, telling those rules and guidelines and frankly other people to get fucked. Being wild is being unpredictable unruly, defamiliarizing topics, being fresh and raw, honest, not just with others, but primarily with ourselves. And finding creative, original ways to do that is really just about being your most authentic self and putting that into everything that you do. Which brings me to today's topic about how knowing ourselves is the ultimate form of creative expression. So let's get into it. I think we can agree that we don't know what we don't know. And if we don't really know ourselves, then how can we really know how to express ourselves or how to relate to others or get what we want? I really do think that deeply knowing and understanding ourselves is the ultimate form of creative expression because the more we know about ourselves, the more authentic we can be in our actions, our goals, the things we say and how we look and how we dress. Knowing myself is something I'm still working on, and really that task never ends because the more we change and evolve, the more new stuff there is to know. So it doesn't end. It's a work in progress. But it wasn't always like that for me. I wasn't always aware of the the idea of self-knowledge or that it was something I should be working on. I truly thought I had everything about myself figured out when I was like 15, (laughs) I thought I knew what I wanted, what I cared about. I thought I knew what I liked and didn't like. I thought I knew how to behave and act. And this carried on well into my 20s with not much evolution on my part in terms of growing up and figuring shit out. And that's the trap that you can fall into when you think you're done knowing all there is to know. You fail to evolve. You get stuck in old ways. You live inside your head, totally unaware of what it is you're actually doing and achieving in life or not achieving. And that passivity that I mentioned earlier starts to creep in. A good example that I can call upon is the story and evolution of my clothes, my wardrobe. When I was younger, I used to think, oh, I don't like shopping. It's such a hassle trying things on in change rooms and I can never find anything that fits my awkward tall body anyway. And I I don't even know what to look for. So who cares? It's just clothes. I'm so above shopping and I, I never go shopping. It's a waste of time. I had all these like negative connotations about shopping and 
and this idea about caring about my looks. I used to even take pride in it, like as if I was so unique to be a girl who hated shopping. As a result, my wardrobe would hardly ever change unless my mom brought something home for me from Winners, and it was the same into my 20s as well. Not so much the mom part, but for for the better part of my 20s, from about 20 to 28 and a half, I hardly went shopping for clothes. And when I did, it was just kind of like random stuff that didn't even really go together. But I didn't realize this because I didn't care. I didn't think anything really looks that great on me. And I never knew what to get anyway. But I never really knew what to get because I didn't know myself well enough to know what I actually liked. I didn't know what my true style was. So I couldn't reflect back to the world anything accurate about myself because I wasn't authentic with myself from the start. I was passive, seeing clothes purely as a utilitarian object. Having a wardrobe of clothes that doesn't really reflect who you are doesn't make you feel confident or attractive in them. You just feel kind of awkward and self-conscious, displaced and mismatched, and for me, disembodied. Along the way, I would try to buy things that I thought I liked or that I thought I should get because I'd seen other girls wearing them. I was looking to all these other external sources outside of myself for the answer. I was looking to them to try to figure out things about myself. But that's not really how knowing yourself works. That all comes from inside. So I'm now 28, almost 29, and it legit wasn't until earlier this year that I realized how much I actually hated all of my clothes. I suddenly realized that none of them speak to me or who I am. All of them were mostly old items that I'd had since I was like 22, many of which I hardly even wore because I knew deep down they weren't right for me or they were just plain uncomfortable to wear. And the things that I did wear regularly were mainly for comfort and did not look good on me and did not make me look like a grown woman. A lot of them had this like juvenile kind of appearance to them. Overall, they just made me feel like someone who didn't give a shit. But suddenly I wanted to give a shit. And why now? Why had this sudden realization come about after having the same wardrobe for nearly eight years? Well, it's because at the time, I was becoming more self-aware. I'd just moved into my own home, my first house, and I was doing renovations and redecorating rooms and figuring out what sorts of designs I liked and doing these DIY projects. And I realized that each morning when I got dressed, I was putting on things that I felt just looked terrible on me and I didn't feel good about myself. And I finally started noticing this. A lot of the time, honestly, I would just put sweatpants on or something super casual but ugly and sometimes I wouldn't even get dressed I would just work from home in my pajamas most of the day (laughs) that's how little I cared about my appearance but I was in this new town with these new people and friends and I wanted to make a good impression more so though I wanted to be very clear about how people should perceive me I wanted to have a clear sense of style a clear personality that I could convey to others a brand essentially I realized the wardrobe was the problem. Actually, I also got a haircut as well around this time that I absolutely love. It is the best style of haircut I've ever had, and it actually suits my face and my personality. So I had this new haircut, and I wanted my wardrobe to match so that my wardrobe made me feel as good about myself as my hair did. So I went to my wardrobe, and I removed pretty much every single piece of item and put them in 
a big black garbage bag and donated them. Then I went into town and I hit up about four different thrift stores and for just over $100 I got an entire brand new wardrobe for spring and summer. So what had changed? How did I suddenly know what clothes to pick? Well, as I mentioned, I was becoming more self-aware at the time and one of the things I noticed is that Despite being a fiery Sagittarius, I actually have a very down-to-earth persona. And when I let my intuition kind of guide me in terms of what I was wanting for new clothes, I felt I was drawn to these more earthy-toned colors. Forest greens, maroons, mustard yellow, ocean blues, grays, blacks, whites. I also knew that I didn't want to compromise comfort for anything. Otherwise, I would never wear it. So I wanted mostly loose, comfortable clothes in these types of colors. I really like tank tops, so I got a lot of those. I also bought a few khaki-type shorts, but like in dark green colors. And I bought some high-waisted, distressed-looking denim capris that were more of like a light denim color. I bought some comfy off-the-shoulder shirts with these astrology symbols on them and also got a sun hat that is kind of like a cross between a cowboy hat on top and the brim is more round like a sun hat. I avoided dresses or anything too feminine looking, like tight form fitting clothes. Growing up, one of the things I wanted most was to look pretty and to look attractive, and I'm sure a lot of girls can relate to this. Uh, mainly because of the pressure we feel from society and pop culture. So I went through this phase where I was obsessed with the this the, the 1950s, that like super feminine, voluptuous look. I was also into the 50s hairstyles and winged eyeliner. So I tried all those things when I was a teenager and absolutely hated how they looked on me, which made me hate myself even more. Why couldn't I just look pretty for once? Why was it so easy for other girls to look good in that stuff? I could never get the makeup or hair right, the dresses looked silly on me because I have a small bust, and at the time, I had a more hunched posture, being an awkward teen. And yeah, I just felt so ugly the more feminine looking I tried to be. And in my 20s, I had a few pieces on my wardrobe, like this red and white polka dot sundress and some other dresses that have like an A-line shape to them. And I had some small high heels and stuff that, honestly, I hardly ever wore, if at all. I don't know why I kept those items for so long or kept seeking them out. It was like I was keeping them, hoping that one day I would be able to wear them and feel like how I was supposed to feel, whatever that meant. So when I went to these thrift stores the other month, I purposely avoided all the dresses and shoes and purses section. As such, there is currently nothing particularly girly in my wardrobe anymore, and I never wear heels or makeup anyway, yet Weirdly enough, with all these new clothes I've got, I feel more feminine and more attractive and more myself than I ever have before. I also started wearing some light jewelry again. Two rings that I usually wear daily and I alternate between two necklaces, one of which has a pendant crystal on it. Would this ever have happened if I hadn't figured out what I actually like or what I'm drawn to? Would Would I have ever been guided to those new pieces in my wardrobe if I hadn't learned to listen to my intuition. This really was a turning point for myself, figuring out who I was and then upgrading my external appearance so that it accurately reflected that. I feel these new clothes and this new hair and this overall new look finally tells people something true about myself. 
There are clues that you can glean about others by what they're wearing and what they pay attention to in their appearance. For instance, with me wearing necklaces with crystals on them and shirts with astrology symbols that may signal that I'm more of an alternative, new-agey type of person, which is true. The earthy colors that I wear and non-form-fitting clothes may suggest I'm a chill person who values comfort, which is also true. So my fashion now truly expresses who I am. Hopefully you can see how easy it is for self-knowledge to leak into our creative projection of ourselves from this wardrobe story. Another thing to consider with self-knowledge and creativity is the fact that the more you know yourself, the truer you can be in your art. If you're a writer or a painter or drawer, the things you write about and the style you paint in, subjects you draw, all of it says something about who you are and what's going on with you internally. Writing is my primary artistic discipline, so I'm mostly going to refer to that when talking about this. So for instance, as a writer, if you're a novice, you may be looking a lot to others for what to do, and as such, it can be very easy to jump on trends and write about what others are writing about, copy their styles, mimic the voice that they write in. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by our favorite artists. I myself love reading work from lit mags and books and other writers that I really respect and admire, and I love getting inspiration for new ideas. But there's a fine line between getting inspired and then following others versus getting inspired and being our own leader in our own art. To simultaneously look to others and what's around us while leading ourselves in our own direction. How does one do that? Well, I really do think that this is where self-knowledge comes in. If you know yourself well enough and you know your unique creative process well enough, you will know how to act on inspiration and ideas in such a way that the resulting artwork truly comes from within, even though the idea for it and inspiration may have come from outside of yourself, from content that you consume or art that you're inspired by. So let me say that again. Although we consume art and culture externally, moving from the outward to the inward, deep self-knowledge allows us to internalize that input and then spit out something that is true, truer to ourselves than what went in. I'll give you another example because this may be a bit abstract. Poetry. Poetry was kind of my nemesis for a long time. As I mentioned, I'm a writer at heart. I have been since I was a kid. My genre that I primarily work in is prose writing. I, Growing up, I excelled at prose writing. I understood the mechanics of story, and I loved writing them. I loved writing essays, the structure of them, so reliable and sturdy and sound. I always knew what to do and what to expect. I loved reading fiction. I never read poetry growing up, and I never wrote it. I did not understand it. It was just so foreign to me. I was so at home in prose writing that anytime I tried to write poetry, it took on this narrative characteristic and came across as either super cliche or too rhymy or frankly just so cringy and amateur that I would just abandon it for years. I had no idea how poets did it. I didn't know how they relinquished that control 
and I didn't know how they worked in a genre where you couldn't really rely on a blueprint like a three-act story structure or an essay formula or a character arc. Poetry was an absolute mystery to me, and I never read it because I didn't understand it. I had no idea what the hell the poet was trying to say. It wasn't until 2020, when I was stuck at home and had nowhere else to go, that I finally looked at this mystery and asked myself, okay, wait, why, as a writer, is it so easy for me to write prose, but so difficult to even comprehend poetry, let alone write it? What does that say about me as a person, about the way that I think and see things? This prompted me to explore the differences between poetry and prose, which is actually a class that I teach, so if you're interested in that, check out the link in the show notes. I'm not going to get into it here because that truly is an episode all on its own, but basically, I started to realize that prose reflected a lot of things about myself that felt familiar and were very much in my comfort zone, which is fine, but that didn't necessarily mean I was able to grow. While poetry had a lot of characteristics and elements that I wasn't comfortable with uh, or, or things that didn't come naturally to me, such as embodiment, being present, getting out of my head, listening to intuition, letting go of structure and predictability and forethought, finding ways to convey things that I could never say with prose. Once I realized these were all weak areas within me, I worked on strength, strengthening them. I truly felt that with prose writing, I could think my way through it, which was often how I, quote, solved a lot of my problems in life at at that time. I would try to think my way out of things. But with poetry, I couldn't think my way through it because it would come across very contrived and too constructed. I had to feel my way through it, which is also what I really needed to do in other areas of my life as well, actually. So by becoming more aware of this and making changes in my thinking and actions that facilitated this new way of being, I was able to finally write my first poem that I didn't hate. And then I wrote another poem and more and more and another. And then it just started to come so easily to me. Something clicked and I finally got it. And in other areas of my life off the page, I also felt the effects of this. I felt myself becoming more embodied and more intuitive less anxious. My previously overthinking brain and ruminating habits were finally leaving me. And I'm proud to say that this summer, two years after starting, after I started doing all of these changes, I got my first acceptance letter for a poem in an anthology. If someone had told me before that I was going to become a published poet one day, I truly would have laughed at them because the idea would have been so comedic to me. Thus, the power of self-knowledge prevails, and I think this can be applied to any artistic discipline. To know how to express yourself, to know what you want to convey to others in your art, is to know yourself. Being in tune with who you are allows you to be in tune with what you put out there, and to develop your own voice and your own style, figure out your creative process. If I had to sum this up in an analogy, I would say... It's kind of similar to introducing someone to someone else at a party. If you don't really know this person that well, maybe you've only met them once or twice, you haven't really hung out, you've never had a deep conversation with them yet, then you're not going to know what the hell to say to someone if you were tasked with the job of introducing them. You're probably just going to try to guess based off of what you see about them, and it'll come across as a shallow introduction, possibly even awkward. 
So think of it with yourself as like introducing yourself to others through your art, your writing, your paintings, your business. It's going to be kind of difficult to do if you don't know yourself that well. Okay, I think I have force-fed this concept to you enough in this episode by this point. And if you've stuck with me this far, then thank you. I hope at least some of it was enlightening or useful for you and that you got something out of it. I, I, genu- I genuinely would love to know your thoughts if you had any aha moments or if you have any comments to share or lingering questions. Feel free to email me at emmacavetna at gmail.com. It'll be in the show notes below. Otherwise, that is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the launch of Wild Creative. If you would like to stay in touch, you can follow me on Instagram and or subscribe to my newsletter on my website. All links are in the show notes. If you would like to be on the podcast or submit a topic, idea, or question, please fill out the form on my website under the podcast tab. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative.